Welcome to the GT Reboot. This week's special guest, video game composer John Everest, joins our show to talk about game music and to promote the special vinyl release of its soundtracks for the Shadowrun series. The vinyls can be found at blackscreenrecords.limitedrun.com, and you can find out more about John's music at johneverest.com, but not before we speak with the man himself. Let's boot up! I am here with film and video game composer John Everest. He has written award-winning music for games like Necropolis and the Shadowrun series and will be featured in the upcoming RTS uh, Battletech. John, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. It's great to have a composer on the show. Uh, We're hoping to get more musicians on. Uh, I I feel that musicians are woefully unrepresented or underrepresented in the audio world of podcasts because I feel like this is where you guys would be most at home, where where audio lives. Right. Yeah. And we and we tend to hide a lot in our uh, in our caves composing for, you know, months at a time, beards and sweatpants and weird (laughs) noises. Forget how to talk to people a lot. That's fine. That's fine. I'm sorry I'm not getting you out in the open or anything. I'm I'm keeping you in your place by keeping you on the podcast. But uh, yeah, I'm still in I sweatpants. Mean, we, Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. We still we still have you conversing with other humans. So that's good. <laughs> uh, so currently, you're about to have some of your work produced on a line of vinyls, exclusive vinyls. That's from the Shadowrun series. Right. Uh, and it's a great set of music, uh, and the game is pretty cool as well. It's a very electronic style of music. Battletech is a whole other type of style. It's more of a more of an orchestral John Williams slash Daniel from whatever all the buzzword uh, composers you can think of type style. Uh, where Don't hold me does to too one... high of a standard there, by the way. John, John, John Williams <laughs> and Danny Elfman is. <laughs> it's very good. It's very it's very good music. Well, I mean, I you know, it's all you've produce some of this stuff on your youtube channel showing like behind the music and it's definitely got those inspirations so i feel confident in saying uh just that
it's definitely varying styles that you showcase in your work. Uh, so where does, how does the genesis of a composer like this, a multifaceted composer like that work, where did you come from? Where are your roots and how did you come to start writing music for video games? Yeah, and that's a, um, a question that I could probably answer over the next two or three hours, I think. Perfect. We've got exactly <laughs> that much time, so you're good. But I, I kind of had a circuitous uh, path through music, I would call it. Um, I, I grew up, um, you know, pretty obsessed with music. I was playing the piano and, and uh, uh, drums and in bands and stuff at a really young age and would always be drawn to producing music. I, I um, This is like back in the the 90s it would be. So I, I was uh, doing um, like early electronic production, um, it, you know, while in middle school and um, mm -hmm. trying to write music for kind of electro the electronic uh, scene at the time in uh, the Seattle area. And eventually I got into, um, I, I didn't go to school for for a, a, a classical composition. It was kind of something that my parents did not <laughs> did not support. Um, mm. uh, and I think that was partly because, you know, my, my mom was a, a single mother and a teacher and and um, was worried that I would just be homeless if I, <laughs> if I went into music professionally. Um, but anyway, so I was making making electronic music. I was producing music for friends and bands and stuff. And then in high school, I started getting into producing um, more like hip hop music during that era, which was a pretty kind of unique time for uh, like the underground hip hop scene. And started um, doing music for a group called Rudy and the Rhetoric that was uh, doing a little bit of touring here and there. And uh, long story short, basically the background in um electronic music kind of eventually got me because i was always obsessed with video games growing up got me into um the path of uh, uh really just hearing all the the indie music that was coming out um from independent games i was like you know i kind of feel like i could have a shot at trying to do this um I didn't really know how to get um, to get started. I mean, I I played games since I was a young kid. Really, the the game that got me into uh, music was uh, Final Fantasy III for Super Nintendo, which um, got, was a really inf influential uh, game for me. But I just didn't know. I didn't have the access to understand how to get into the industry. So <clears throat> at the time, I was I was uh, had a full time job and I was kind of doing music on the side. But I decided to just quit my job and go back to uh, school. So I, I went back to school to DigiPen um, Institute of Technology in Redmond, which is a game design school. But they just had this program for um, music and sound design for games. Um, so I was like, you know, I didn't get the degree in music uh, originally, and I'm working a job I despise. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go all in and... and um, you know, cash out my retirement and go to this school and see if I can try to make music or, you know, at least audio my full-time gig. So that's what I did. That was back in uh, 2012. Um, so 
long story short, I, I was able to learn a lot about games and um, learned a lot about music too. Uh, really got lucky to to learn under um, a, a brilliant teacher and composer um, who kind of unlocked my brain to the classical side of of stuff and and the, the film scoring side, and I just became uh, completely obsessed with that. And so, I think with Shadowrun, you're seeing you know that's my that's kind of like my comfort zone the electronic stuff and then you're and then BattleTech you're kind of sh seeing that natural progression that I had of of first being really interested in electronic music and then kind of broadening my musical repertoire to um, to the more film scoreish uh, side mm. of stuff. Is that so wow. that rambling long answer making make no sense? that's perfect no that's great yeah that is the that is the chronicle of john everest in its <laughs> yeah. most compressed form and i appreciate it uh so there's a couple things i would love to impact in there i'll 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 uh suffice with one uh you talked about like well you were obsessed with video games early on and when you were coming to this crossroad of let's quit the job let's go for the hollywood story let's go back to school and uh do music why video games? You went into it a little bit uh, that you were obsessed with video games, and but this was the thing that you that you thought you might have a chance at. What about video game music, or about the industry of video game music, or the culture, or about your style? What about it? That composite of stuff said John Everest is a video game composer, and I should go to school for that. Yeah, I mean, I think it was the the game that I always, or there's a few games that I always um, seem to have in my head as being the games that short, sort of unlocked that. Hey, I think I could, I could do this. I, I mean, it was something I growing up, I I just never thought I uh, thought it was possible for me to do it. Not only that it wasn't possible, but also that the music that I was thought I was okay at making was didn't have a place in video games, so to speak. But then I heard I heard um this is a uh probably the um soundtrack that sort of had the idea in the back of my head and that was uh, um Spl uh, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory by Amon Tobin um which was was and still is I think one of a the the uh, best or most interesting electronic video game soundtracks that I had heard, um, and then um, I also think that uh, uh, the soundtrack for Fez was the one that kind of pushed me off the ledge. Um, so that came out, um, you know, f a few years prior to me making the making the jump. But I played it, and I was just like, you know, like this music's in video games is just like. You know, they're taking all these, um, you know, really talented um, uh, composers and, and artists and kind of, you know, doing these independent games that are wrapping the game design itself around music. And music is 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 not just, you know, the background soundtrack or this full orchestral film score thing that I thought I was completely unqualified to do and probably still am still unqualified to do it, to do it to be honest but um, the imposter syndrome that's fine right but yeah so like I I just heard this stuff and it was always you know I always in the back of my head had that like uh you know maybe it's 
from my parents or it's from, you know, society or something where you're like, I just don't, I, I don't think I could do this. I, I don't belong uh, here and I'm not, um, you know, I, I'm not good enough to do this. But when I heard those tracks, not saying that they're, that they're, it's not good music. It's, it was amazing music, but I was just like, you know what? I bet I could, I could do something like this. I bet I could, you know, make music that would be able to tell cool stories in video games. I just felt I had that in me. And I, and I was at that point where it was, you know, pretty kind of, uh, I would say like quarter life crisis for me, where I was like, I could either stay at this desk job and come home every day, miserable and, and, um, you know, look at my, my, uh, pianos and guitars on the walls and just be like, you know, I could have maybe done something with music and mm -hmm. kicked myself for not trying. But I was just like, you know, screw it. I have, I have to try. I have to try to, uh, to do it uh, full time. So I just, I think it was just the perfect storm at the perfect time. And, and I, and I think I got pretty lucky to be honest. I mean, it looks like uh, luck hit the right person because uh, we've got some great work from you. So uh, it, your work definitely speaks for you. Uh, oh, thanks. If you're if you're to chalk it up to your luck, that's 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 your business. But it's it's good stuff. That's surprising. I've never heard uh, a single note from Splinter, Splinter Cell: Chaos Theory. I never played the game, so oh, it's, it's funny. Cool. I normally you normally hear like your generic like oh like uh, your Zeldas or your Halos or like right. all the like the almost cliche iconic music. I've never heard uh, someone talk about Splinter Cell: Chaos Theory, so that that intrigues me a lot. Yeah, and I think in in my mind at the time, you know, I always like I, like I say, my favorite really what got me into the appreciation of of music in uh, in a, at a young age was the scores for for Final Fantasy and and those games and just really beautiful stuff and and me listening to that I can appreciate its beauty but I'm also uh, in my head I'm thinking there's it's it's so it's almost like an alien language to me there's no connection with the music that I was doing and the music that Marty O'Donnell was doing, or or uh, Uematsu was doing, or Koji Kondo. I, I, mm -hmm. I, uh, I didn't think, and never even had an inkling, even when I left my job, that I would be working with um, with orchestras and stuff like that. And so it just goes to show that you, if you have an interest in something, or if you're you're passionate about something, you, you kind of I don't know. You when you start to pursue that. Uh, there are, um, there's a whole kind of universe out there of things that you never thought you could do that are kind of waiting for you to like have a crack at and see if you can see if you can do it. Um, it, it was just it, it, looking back on it and thinking when I um, when I was uh, you know trying to do this this thing full time and if you would have said hey you know you're gonna be recording with an orchestra in Budapest for a uh, basically a mech warrior battletech game yeah. coming out I would just be like there's no that's no way. what are you saying no <laughs> get away from me future person <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it's it was that was one of the things that struck me about your work was uh hearing the Shadowrun uh, tracks. Mm. Uh, and so hearing that electronic style, I thought, oh, this guy's an electronic artist. That's really cool. That's the uh, video game style. And then I 
check you out on YouTube and you're out uh, out there in a studio recording a, a full piece orchestra. So it's very cool to see uh, people like you doing uh, broad work like that. And also very inspiring to hear uh, you say these uh, big inspirational words. Uh, so why don't we, before we get really sentimental about following our dreams, why don't we talk about <laughs> the music uh, here? So the Shadowrun games... Uh, you've won awards for, and you are having your work featured on this release of limited release LPs, and uh, that's very exciting. Uh, listening to the music, it is very different from other soundtracks because it's uh, it is very electronic, so it's very standard for the series, but it also has this a bit of an Eastern influence to it, or maybe I'm just hearing it. Uh, that could just be me. I have Western ears, so I wouldn't know, but. Mm. Uh, it's interesting to hear that. And one thing that you're here for is to educate us on what it is to be a video game composer uh, versus other composers or just in general as a composer. So when you're getting in the studio and when you're commissioned to write this work, uh, what does it look like deciding the sound for a piece for a video game? And more particularly uh, for Shadowrun Hong Kong and uh, its predecessor. What does that uh, process look like? Uh, yeah, so it, usually for a project that's just starting out, um, depending on when they decide to, to bring me or, or bring in a composer, um, in the case of Shadow, Shadowrun Hong Kong, it was really from the, from the beginning um, I kind of just, uh, I want to have as much access, I want to tap into um, their kind of concepting process as much as possible. So that'd be like uh, going to the weekly art meetings and getting all the latest concept art for characters and uh, areas of the game and key moments of the game and stuff like that. So I just kind of start compiling a huge document of um of concept art and i find that the concept art is is really the most it's it's the easiest for me at least to get locked into a sound i can just because when i i do this um you know just in general i you you see an image and you instantly kind of start scoring it in your head of what what would be happening at that time during that image and what are the undertones and stuff like that? You kind of t start telling a, a story to yourself it, with music in a way. Um, so that's kind of the way that I I like to work, and, and at least I worked on on Hong Kong. And um, I think the the first piece that they sent me was was kind of um, you know it, uh, a concept piece for the uh, uh, the main. Um, kind of city that or uh, town that your character is in mm -hmm. uh, for the for the for a large part of the game called uh, Heoi in uh, Hong Kong okay <clears throat> and so I just kind of went from there and started started uh, riffing off of ideas and then also I think working with the um, the head writer uh, is really important too just to kind of get overviews and and uh, story over outlines and summary of kind of the basic story we're trying to tell um what are the like the motifs and themes and and um you know the lessons you're supposed to 
to learn at the end of the story and that sort of thing. Um, and then I think for, because of the setting of the game, um, it's just a really, it was a really fascinating opportunity, um, as a, a musician and composer to mix different genres together. Um, you know, with, with Hong Kong in general, there's already kind of a mixture of, of multiple cultures all in, in one space. Um, there's the, you know, the, the, um, rich history, the, the Chinese, um, history and kind of Eastern influence. Uh, but then there's also Western influences and then this whole technological influence. Um, and then of course, Shadowrun is, is a complete, uh, you know, melding of fantasy and sci-fi and, and, um, magic and human elements. So it's just, it really is like a no holds, holds barred kind of scenario for a composer, I think. So why I personally am interested in this is, uh, I've never, uh, like there's something of uh, cliche in, uh, how often games are compared to movies, uh, you hear all the same things, uh, all the same rhetoric when you're comparing the two, uh, games and music, like games are trying to catch up to movies, but, uh, at the same time, games are completely different from movies and they should stay different. And I feel like there's a lot of that disparity, uh, with when it comes to the music as well, mm-hmm. uh, from what I've read, you've written for both movie, for film and, uh, for several video games and, uh, the consistencies and then the differences are very interesting uh one thing that's big uh big difference uh is that movies are set and definite um the same actions and sequences can be like counted on to occur and uh games however are indefinite and they're flexible uh and even the most linear games uh allow for a lot of experimentation how does a video game uh, score, like the process of writing one, work in comparison to writing for something concrete like a film? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, you kind of n- nailed the 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 obvious kind of gist of it. Is is when you're sure. working with the uh, with like a fixed media like film, you you have these uh, these sessions with a director called spotting sessions that are, you know, you're basically sitting in a room and you're trying to lock your music to the beat and tempo of the picture as early as possible. Um, Mm. so that could be, um, and and these are set up pretty early too. So you're always trying to kind of fill the music based on what the edit or future edits will be. And of course there's no interactivity with, with movies. I think there's actually some movies coming out that will have some sort of, you know, interactivity um component to it but for the most part with a movie you just kind of have to lock yourself into a scene by scene basis um and i think that's that's uh that's a difficult thing to do i mean for games the 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 biggest comparison to film would be things like cinematics which we do you know, we have a lot of those in Battletech, and and I think a lot of games they can have hours of cinematics. So for a composer, a composer team for games, you have this film element in um, the cinematic side, but then you're also on the hook for creating this this 
uh, this living, breathing kind of uh, score. And and there's a technical side to that that I think certain composers can write music that is sort of split up into layers and stems and then is passed along to a team of, of um, engineers and implementers who put put it in to the game with software that uh, reacts to the game's programming and whatnot. Mm. Um, but there's middleware uh, out there. There's I use a program called uh, Wise or WWISE, and um, it's a basically an interactive infrastructure that you can use for music and for sound design. But I use it for music. And when I'm writing for games, like for Battletech, um, the, the compositions themselves are informed by the specific scene I know I'm writing for. So that's, you know, kind of an analog to, to film. I, when I'm writing for, um, let's say, like a level or in like a, a, the home base area in, in uh, Battletech, which is pretty much your your giant drop ship that you're traveling in with your mercenary friends. Um, mm. I'm writing that knowing kind of the basics of how the game is, is running, is operating. And I know that you're in this particular case, you're in the drop ship, you're in the command center, but you can also move to these different rooms and spend a lot of time, like move to the mech bay and work on your mech and like repair stuff and, chat with people there and whatnot um so that scene is kind of like a you're kind of writing for you know 20 scenes at once and thinking proactively about what sort of what sort of gameplay experience is going to happen during this time period and how can the music enforce and support um uh during that interaction and so basically, you know, it's, it's writing a lot, a lot more music usually than film. That's why you see games mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, a film is, is two hours or so, and a game may just have, um, may have two hours of cinematics only and, and may have, you know, with all the stems and splits and, and various like randomization that you have with these songs, it could have hours and hours and hours of music, um, possible music. So. That's a, it's a big challenge and, and you're kind of iterating as you go too, because, um, you know, I'm implementing this stuff myself with wise. So I'm putting the stems in and for, let's say this, this, um, um, uh, scene or this uh, area where you're on your ship in battle tech, there's a piece of music that's kind of, uh, an underlying pad that's always happening in the ship. And then you say, you decide to go to the captain's quarters as you go to the captain's quarters, another layer starts to kind of slowly volume fade up. And it's like mm -hmm. this, you know, guitar that's supposed to like make you feel like you're in your own element. You're in your room, you're away from the crew and you're relaxing. And then there's strings that randomly come in and out here and mm -hmm. there to, you know, maybe you're thinking about the last mission and you lost a friend or something like that. So you, you're kind of just, thinking of weird things like that as you go and what might the player be thinking about when they're moving from place to place. I think that's more, um, you know, uh, 
a little more touchy feely. There's obviously some more like uh, this this thing is happening here, and you have to make sure that you cue that at the right moment. So like a fight breaks out, and you have to like make sure you switch the music at the right moment when the punch is landed or something like that. But I like touchy feely stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds very practical when you talk about uh, having to. Uh, prepare yourself and uh, anticipate for different uh, scenarios. It sounds very practical and uh, like systematic when you explain it, but but thinking of what you're actually doing, it, may, it sounds like a nightmare. Uh, but to <laughs> actually, you have to try and figure all that out. But uh, it's uh, definitely impressive. I especially love the idea of yeah, the stemming that uh, like these this not new, but in the relatively in the past, like I guess 10 or maybe years, maybe I'm wrong, but like where these, uh, game tracks, um, instead of just being a blanket track that's playing for this entire world, a la like uh, a Mario, uh, instead, uh, when you're in this space, the, the game track kind of changes to a more, uh, a, a more uh, repressed kind of uh, string track that is playing the same theme as when you're outside of the bass and then you're it's a much bigger version of that. Uh, that's a really cool evolution of game music that I've uh, appreciated. Uh, I don't know how long how far back it uh, dates, but I'd be interested to figure that out. But, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been going. It's you know, I think that like uh, there's early versions of it that are are quite quite old like yeah 10 15 years old but um i mean even for a game like Shadowrun, that we had such a simple system that i really i couldn't do any interactivity in the in the main um game itself so the only interactivity and and uh, adaptiveness for the music that i could do was in the combat and it was pretty simplistic just kind of Mm -hmm. you know there's two enemies left so i add a you know a drum track fades up and we get a little more Mm -hmm. like uh you know intense or something like that but Mm -hmm. you know it 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 all depends on and i think for for in that scenario they already had the engine built um and um and and they did the first shadow run returns um i wasn't involved in that in that game Mm-hmm. And, and I think what we're seeing now is that when a game is is starting to be made and the music, the musician, the composer and the audio um, implementer and engineer and the whole audio team is being involved from from the very beginning, um, you're getting these systems that are kind of designed from the ground up with music as a key storytelling device kind of embedded in the experience itself, which you know you see these games like uh you know uncharted for example that sometimes you're playing and you're so they're so well orchestrated uh in a sense that the music is changing so like easily from one scene to the next that it feels like one cohesive um experience that's i feel like there's that's the direction that these sort of bigger games are going in and where the experience is um, the, uh, the, the adaptiveness of the music is done so well that it sort of is not recognizable anymore. You know, you kind of just feel like you're experiencing it rather yeah, than... Yeah, it kind of blends into the whole experience. Yeah. yeah I agree. That's very cool. 
So uh, I want to move on to a couple more questions. Uh, we were, uh, we're about a quarter of the way through the potential questions and topics I got to. I talk, I so, talk a lot. Uh, I'm sorry about no, that. No, it's totally fine. I start, you know, I start rambling it's, it's, and don't want, know how to stop. The, whole, the hope is to one day get to some high, at one point get to some high concept music stuff. Uh, maybe like the listeners can fade out by the end when we're talking some, uh, some deep music stuff. But we may not even get there. Uh, but... Talking again back to uh, the idea of going from games like Necropolis and the Shadow Run series, Dragonfall and Hong Kong, uh, moving on to uh, the uh, moving on to BattleTech. Excuse me. Uh, you're now uh, directing an orchestra. You're uh, writing parts for this uh, full piece uh, set of musicians. And uh, that was from what I assume might have been a lot of work, just you and your computer and your MIDI keyboard on games like Necropolis and uh, Hong Kong. So what I remember also uh, seeing a video, uh, one of your videos uh, of Battletech behind the music is you talking about musical cues and working, uh, writing out your parts. And you have to do all the stuff where you have a software where after you've inputted the MIDI and like the, all the expressions and stuff, it translates into actual uh, engraving parts that you then have to set up. And that all looks like a nightmare. So what has been uh, the experience for you moving from uh, electronic music, which I'm only assuming you did mostly on your own, uh, besides working with, uh, say, the head writer or other developers, to working with an entire orchestra of musicians and uh, other uh, other collaborators. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely, it, for me, it was really daunting. It was something that um, I really had to kind of convince myself that I could do it. But um, uh, luckily, you know, it, it's not like I'm just doing this all alone either. Mm. Um so I was extremely fortunate to be put in touch with um, uh, an orchestrator and composer, uh, Stan Lepard, who lives here in Seattle as well and has worked on, he's worked on Halo games and, and Destiny. He's done, done orchestration and session producing for Destiny and um, Guild Wars and stuff, and I got put in touch with him by McLean uh, Deemer, who's the composer for Guild Wars, and because um, I, I, I kind of reached out to him and expressed my uh, worry, I was like, you know, McLean, I I kind of don't know if I can do this. I want to know how you did it because I know he he contracted um, contracted some orchestras for his music for Guild Wars. And we have kind of, McLean and I have kind of a similar background. He, he actually went to school, though, um, at Berkeley um, College of Music in Boston. And um, mm. he, didn't, he wasn't studying classical film scoring, but he was more, um, I, think he, I think he played the bass or guitar. I can't remember. But anyways, mm. so we, I think we both had a similar experience where we were like, we, you know, this is very daunting. This is... Um, kind of uh, something that we've never done before. And so I asked him for assistance. He put me in, in touch with Stan Lepard, who um, is just a legendary kind of figure in, in uh, video game music and, and um, 
a really great composer himself, but does um, orchestration and session producing, producing. So he actually helps to um, book sessions, get the right musicians in, and then helps run the sessions also. So the composer, you know, you, your main focus is writing the music. And there's some composers that that will do all of the other things themselves, but it, it's like you said, it's very time consuming. Um, it's very, um, it can get, you can get kind of down in the weeds and um, uh, lose yourself in the orchestrate orchestrating part. Mm -hmm. um, so really, what I do is I I write the music, I get the um, the overall piece completed, and then because of the the um, brilliance of MIDI and the systems that we have with engraving software that I use Sibelius, you can transfer those into, into Sibelius and it turns into a pretty crappy looking full score of what you just wrote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then um, I, I've, I've used MIDI uh, scoring uh, software before and yeah. uh, not to get too thick in the weeds for our listeners but I, I re remember the days in college uh, playing out something in finale on the keyboard and then looking at the dictation on the screen and there was just all sorts of rests I didn't even know existed on yeah. the screen and so I can't imagine yeah getting in there and having to mess around with all those yeah a lot of like 128 note rest uh, yeah what like, what a lot of uh, <laughs> slurs and and weird stuff going on um but yeah so i uh so i think m the majority of composers just by the 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 vastness and the, all the people that are involved in recording these full scores with orchestras it takes a huge team of people um to do especially if the game you know if you're talking about a game with three hours of music it's it's a it's a long um uh, a long task with a lot of specialists involved along the way. And so for Battletech, we really only had, I think it in, we'll probably have quite a bit more than this, but um, originally we were just going to do, I think it was 45 minutes of live recording. Hmm. Um, so really not that much. I mean, a, a lot for me, but not, not that much um, uh in the grand scheme of things for other compared to other games. So mm. a lot of that is like, you know, a mix of digital and live or some are just all digital while others are, are all live and so forth. But anyway, so Stan, um, what I do is I write a song, I get it as cleaned up as possible as I can in, in, um, in a full score form. And then I send it to him and he makes sure that it meets the stand, the, the, uh, standards for, um, you know, score and parts for the players that are going to be be reading it. Make sure that it's readable. Make sure mm -hmm. that there's no wrong notes in there. That I didn't accidentally, you know, fall on the keyboard in the middle of it. And there's, like you said, <laughs> all those weird, yeah, weird notes. And then um, he uh, helps to get make sure that we get stuff printed correctly and the parts all printed correctly. So there's all these different teams involved in scoring sessions um, that, uh, you know, some one person's sole job is just to make sure that all the score parts are there and ready to be printed and replaced if necessary. If we have edits, mm -hmm. there's a Pro Tools engineer whose, whose job is to make sure that we're cataloging all the cuts that we're doing and, and taking notes on 
which takes our what and where we are in the in the session and making sure that when we're done the Pro Tools session that we're delivered is accurate and has all the takes that we need. Um, there's obviously the engineer who's in charge of the board while um, while we're producing the session. And then there's the session producer who works with me and Stan um, to basically get us through all the stuff we need to record that day, um, make sure we get the takes all that we need, um, uh, and then obviously we have the conductor also, who's another part. And then, you know, the 60 to 70 musicians in the room who are, who you're paying by the hour to be there. Um, Perfect. so it's a, it's a lot of, a lot of moving parts and it's, you know, you kind of, you need a, you need, um, support and you need people who can help you carry the weight. Cause I think it'd be impossible to do it by yourself. I imagine so, and uh, I appreciate all those folks doing it. You, I saw, again, one more anecdote from the videos I saw of Behind the Music uh, that you did. It did show the conductor, I assume you're referencing, but you also uh, got your hands dirty with some conducting work yourself, which was cool to see. How does it feel uh, conducting an orchestra? Is that something you had any experience with prior to that, or is that your first time getting in front of an orchestra? Like, what's, How did that feel? It was definitely the first the first time getting in front of a an ensemble that that big. I I did some con, mm-hmm. like conducting in school and stuff. But, sure. Um, you know, it, it was nerve. It's nerve wracking because that mm-hmm. you know the imposter syndrome creeps up in those moments. And you look out and you see people who have devoted their entire lives to you know mastering their instrument, and you're the guy who quit his job and went back to school for, for a few years <laughs> and is standing up there. So, I mean, yeah. I think it depends on the, the composer and the composer's training level and stuff. But I find for me, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to conduct. I, I want to, you know, professional to conduct so I can focus on what I'm hearing in the, in the engineering room and make sure mm-hmm. that I'm getting the sound that I'm looking for and that I can, bounce questions off the producers and other people in the room to get opinions on what takes we should keep and what should we, what we should redo. And I find being in the engineering room really satisfying because there's everyone that's in there is, has really good ears and we make quick edits on the fly and then pass that out to the conductor. And he's, you know, used to usually has worked with the people he's in front of and knows how to talk to them, knows how to kind of convey musical language to them, obviously through their conducting. Um, mm. And in Budapest where we recorded a lot of Battletech, uh, uh, Peter was the uh, main conductor there and he's just like a legendary uh, figure in, um, in that area and just in kind of music world in general. And, and he, they just, there's a whole other um, aspect of emotional life that a conductor can bring to performers that um, that they sure. have a good relationship with, I think. Mm. Well, your humility is probably appreciated. Uh, every I'm sure any musician knows the, the uh, standard cliche of the over-controlling composer who wants to be at the hand of everything. No. Uh, but you looked, you looked good up there. So uh, I think you don't, don't fret about uh, being up there. Uh, it, it was pretty cool to see. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, at that point, I think we're about out of time. Uh, I have about a half a page more questions that one day I'll have to ask you. Uh, a lot of them are very nerdy uh, music questions, though. So I think I, I think I picked out the right ones to uh, get. But, uh, John, before uh, we say our goodbyes, uh, do you want to plug anything, say, like uh, a web page or uh, some work you're working on, uh, uh, anything of that sort? Uh, I would just say uh, you can uh, follow me on uh, Twitter at John Everest, uh, J-O-N-E-V-E-R-I-S-T. And my website is johneverest.com. And there are a lot of exciting things coming that I can't talk about yet, but I will soon. So if you want to find out more, just hit me up and follow me. All right, great. So we will do that. John, thank you so much for coming on, talking about music with me, and uh, sharing with our listeners your story. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. It was fun. Yeah.